You are now tuned into Reckless Talk with Record Rhea. I'm your host, Record Rhea, and this is episode 24. And I'm going to call this episode Who Am I? And before I get into the um, name behind this episode, I just want to, as always, when I start every episode, I say thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone that is still listening a year later, still has my show. Um, doing the numbers that it's doing. I'm blessed, I'm grateful, and I'm humble. So I just want to start with that. And then I'm going to get into the name of my episode. So I'm going to call this episode, Who Am I? Because starting this podcast journey and wanting to be a staple in the LGBTQI community, I feel like there's so much I need to educate myself on. There's so much that I need to experience and there's so much I just need to know. And there are things that I truly don't know. Um, I have a very, very, very special guest with me today. I'm going to let her introduce herself in one second. But before I do, I always like to give my people their roses. Um, this is someone that I connected with via social media. Um, she has been so supportive since day one. Um, I've got nothing but great energy. And um, I would like you to introduce yourself. All right. Um, I go by Jinx. I am currently a student here at University of Pittsburgh getting my master's in higher education. I'm also a travel blogger, um, and I write about how to redefine the concept of travel to more an accessible way. And I am also identified as queer, gender fluid, um, and I am involved in the poly community. I love, love everything you just said. So before we even kick this interview off, I just made a mistake because I said she has been supportive since day one. So please correct me right now before we even go any further. Yes, so I do, um, as a gender fluid while identifying within womanness, I do prefer they, them pronouns. They, them pronouns. I love that. Yes. This is something that you're going to teach me right off the bat. Now, in my era of just saying that, when people do that to you, is that offensive? Do you find offense in it? It depends on... um, the intent behind it if I know it's because they just met me and they're learning I don't get offended and then I will educate but if I've already previously had a conversation and stated what I want and then they continuously do it um, then um, it does become annoying and it becomes a further conversation of why they feel so um, emboldened to stick with the binary and disrespect my identities and my person Um, by using improper pronouns. Um, While I do identify within gender fluid, which means uh, my pronouns can change um, and the language I use can change, you know, depending on how I'm feeling, um, I I typically let people know what I feel comfortable with. And so in that area, um, it can be a form of disrespect um, and a lack of trying to uh, be understanding and accepting that there is a world outside of binary uh, man-woman category. Wow. Very well put. Now, let's just start with the basics. The word queer. Yes. 
what does that mean to you? Because I am a teacher. And if we break down the word queer or look in the English the English dictionary, it means odd or peculiar. That is the English meaning of the word queer. So what does queer mean to you when you say you identify as queer? What does that mean? So, you know, like you said, like when you look at the definition, it means strange or odd, um, com- you know, from a conventional point. But with me, what queer stands for to me is it represents the identity of putting shock force to a community and a society that consistently oppresses and harms um, people like me while giving a voice to the intersectional identities within the LGBTQ community regarding race, uh, gender, um, and sexual orientation. And it, it becomes a fluid and dynamic collectivity of possibilities. Um, and that is, is something that I believe um, queerness is. And it also is more in your face and challenges, you know, the typically expected functions of you know, relationship dynamics, and it moves from more of a performative action mm-hmm. to more of a activist, um, abolitionist of what the binary is and what um, people should identify as. Okay, very well put. So that brings me to my next question. You said you also identify as non-binary. How long have you identified as queer or non-binary or has that been forever so I didn't have the language always it wasn't until I got to like undergrad I learned the language for queer and I started identifying for queer and then non-binary was after I graduated undergrad and I started getting into the community um I joke with people I came out the womb knowing that I what my sexual attraction was and that I liked you know multiple people um, but I never had a concept of gender and gender was something I always struggled with. And like, as I got older around my late twenties, I started gaining knowledge of like the different words and I found words that fit me and non-binary is an umbrella term. So under that, there's multiple different, um, uh, different types of identity. So <laughs> under non-binary, it just means that you're not with the binary man, woman, um, so under non-binary, there, there's transgender identity, there's gender fluid, which that is what I am, um, and that's a person whose gender identification and presentation shifts based on their mood and um, they're um, basically fluid in it. Um, and then there's agender, um, which means that they don't identify with any gender. There's gender queer. Um, which just means you fall out of the dominant societal norm of the assigned de- uh, sex. There's um, so many other ones. Um, but you just you just taking <laughs> over my whole interview because I was gonna get into all of that. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to get into all of that. You just, you started shooting them out. Okay. Okay. So we're going to get, I want to get into all of those um, titles because I actually wrote them down. I want to talk about non-binary for one second because mm-hmm. 
from my I, I got some information I did um, try to come with a little bit of knowledge and it's what I got is it's equal balance of male and female energy so it really made me question even myself because I, I identify as a lesbian woman. But when we speak about equal balance of male and female energy, I feel like I fall in that umbrella in some ways. So I wonder, like, could I be considered non, non-binary or do you feel like I really don't fall under that umbrella because I identify as a lesbian woman? So... I like I tell everybody, um, it's not for me to decide what you identify with. It's what you feel comfortable and what terms, you know, resonate with your soul. Um, and it's not necessarily non-binary is not necessarily like somebody who um, balances between man and woman um, or masculine, feminine energy. It's actually um, a identity and experience that braces the full universe of expressions and the ways of being that resonate with the individual. An individual is the key point. Um, you know, it could be, and it's also an active resistance to the binary gender expect- expectations, you know, and the intentional creation of um, ideas of self within the world that are forced upon people. So um, it can overlap with, you know, concepts and identities like gender expansion and de- gender nonconforming. Um, and most importantly, you know, it's it's about how you resonate with the word. Do you do you resonate with non-binary? Like, you know, because you could be non-binary and still resonate with, you know, the identity of woman and be within womanness. Um, there's there's some people who are non-binary and they they consider themselves gender fluid, um, a gender fluid femme or a gender fluid mask. So mm. like it's it's what identity and what words resonate with your soul and what act of resistance um, to the binary gender that you wish to present to the world. Wow, very well said. I I told one of my listeners that I was going to be doing this amazing interview with you, and she had a question that she wanted me to ask. So I'm just going to ask the way the question was presented to me, and you could just give me your um, your knowledge. She said, do you think people define as non, non-binary to avoid the stereotypes of what a man-woman is considered to be or act? I don't know if you understand the question, if you want me to repeat it. No, no, I get it. Okay. Yeah. Um, So to answer that question, um, I would say um, yes and no. So some choose non-binary and, you know, one of the terms within that umbrella because they do want to get away from those gender roles and, you know, that society's expectation of what yourself should identify with but some it's because it resonates with them and that that term just speaks to them and their identity and who they wish to present to the world Mm -hmm. um so it depends on the intention of the individual so i couldn't say 100 percent yes or 100 percent no um it depends on who you're speaking to because it is an individualistic choice for me i would say yes for me i do not feel connected to 100% to, you know, the man uh, definition, I don't feel 100% connected to woman 
identity. I don't feel 100% connected to masculine energy. I don't feel 100% connected to, you know, feminine energy. So I feel Mm -hmm. like that's why I choose gender fluid because for me as the individual, it's very fluid and it's ever changing and flowing like, uh, sort of like air. My, my, I'm very heavily Aquarius in my astrology. And so I guess Mm -hmm. that sort of plays into how I wish to, um, present my gender and the expression I use and um yeah so that's yeah, why I, I feel like question. yeah <laughs> I feel like that's I feel like you answered her question and I feel like that's so relatable like I, I I feel like you know based off the way that you're putting it I relate like I don't have this strong connection to feminine energy although I am in touch with my feminine energy but um I'm not too far removed from masculine energy as well so I kind of feel like not I don't feel like I'm stuck in the middle I don't feel like I'm confused I just feel like I just I've formed my own identity even though I do identify as lesbian and that could be because I wasn't aware of all these other identities you know that are out there that you're teaching me about so that definitely has me thinking so thank you for that um something else that someone did say and I agree they said gender and sexuality are not the same which is very very true so your gender which you identify as wait your your gender is what you identify as correct yes and your sexuality is what you're attracted to mm-hmm. so it it can be different um we'll start with the first one pansexual um, what I know about pansexuality is not someone not being limited in sexual choice um, with regard to sex, gender, or identity. So someone who is pansexual, they could be attracted to some people, but not others. But the gender doesn't matter. So what can you teach me about pansexuality? Yeah, so uh, you there's so there's two terms with it. Somebody could say pansexual, or, or they could say omnisexual, um, okay. and it's just it's a term that people I choose to identify with when they have a romantic attraction to certain people um, outside of the gender um, or sex that a person was born with, and um, that does not ex- state that does not mean that. Um, physical attraction is excluded out of it. Um, for example, um, um, I um, I resonate with pansexual um, as I physically, um, when I find people attractive, it's like their voice, like do they have like a low raspy voice? I find that really sexy. Um, you know, what their thighs look like, their arms look like, do they have a nice smile, do they have pretty brown eyes, things like that. Um, Whereas other people, it's, uh, you know, they're, they're very strictly like, I, I am a woman-loving woman, and unless you got a pussy, don't talk to me, you know? <laughs> no, so, that's, uh, <laughs> yo, that's real shit. That is real, real <laughs> shit. I'm so glad you, I'm so glad you said that, because now you're going to bring the reckless out of me. So I was, focusing <laughs> my, <laughs> I was trying to be all educated, but now I got to be a little reckless. I was talking to one of my friends, and they asked me a really good question. They said, like, imagine you meet what you believe is a woman, you know, at a club, and she's everything you envision, everything you want in a woman. And then you get her home, and you find out that 
she, you know, she is transsexual or something to that, um, something to that regard. And I really, she, and she asked me like, would you still fuck her? Or, you know, would you still? And I'm like, uh, like, no. And she's like, why not? You were, you were attracted up until the point of knowing that this person wasn't born in the gender that they identify as identify as now but how I feel and this is my honest answer I love pussy so I am attracted to the female anatomy um I don't even if I was attracted to the person physically I feel like I wouldn't be attracted to the tool that they come with does that make sense it does, but I would challenge your thinking. So Please first, do. I'm just going to educate you. Uh, transsexual is an outdated term, and uh, they consider that very, wow. uh, very mm-hmm. negative view. So I'm going to save you right now in case anybody who is transgender is mm-hmm. listening. Please don't, don't, don't attack Rhea. Rhea's getting an education I'm right learning. now. I'm, I'm, <laughs> so, I am learning. So <laughs> transgender is the correct uh, usage. Um, when you're gender. speaking about that community. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. And then now going into the challenge, so I, really I would challenge. Right <laughs> you are fine. So I okay. would challenge your thoughts of gender because you are mixing gender and sexual attraction together. Okay. So why? So in your binary frame of mindset, you are equating a pussy with uh, um, a woman. And you're equating a penis with a man, but if but because gender is a societal construct and it is an identity that people can choose how they do, you could be attracted to somebody who identifies as a man but has a pussy. You could be attracted to somebody who has mm. a penis but identifies as a woman. Mm. So, see, I love so see, <laughs> I love you, you. you would have to separate, yeah, you know, the gender from you know, the sexual attraction, you are sexually attracted to the body of, uh, penis, of, you are not attracted to penises, you're attracted to pussy, so then, if you are attracted to pussy, that mean, does that mean um, that you are attracted to all expressions of gender, that as long as they have a pussy, or are you attracted to somebody who has a pussy, because that's your sexual attraction, as well as somebody who identifies within the gender as female? Or a woman. Yeah, yeah. Now that you put it like that, you broke it down like that. That makes sense because there could be someone masculine presenting that has a vagina. I mean, honest, I, honestly, I'm a lesbian and I'm not attracted to um, more aggressive women or you know, like stud women because I feel like I'm attracted to very feminine qualities. Um, so if you put it like that, yeah, I'm attracted to femininity and I am attracted to the vagina. So I'm guessing that falls under what? Lesbianism? Yeah, you're lesbian then and that just means you are attracted to as someone who connects to womanhood and who identify within a uh, woman. Mm. Okay. Mhm. 
You really just educated me. I love that you um challenged me. That was a good challenge, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's talk about asexuality. Asexuality, the lack of sexual attraction to others or low or absent interest for sexual activity. Um, mm-hmm. Is asexuality and, celib- and celibacy the same thing? No. Asexuality is distinct from celibacy because celibacy is a choice to deliberately abstain from sexual activity despite sexual desire. Whereas some asexual people um, do have sex or do experience varying levels of the sexual attraction. You know, there's there's a diverse way of being asexual, but um, it's not a choice. It's um, a feeling that they were born with, and it can have varying degrees of, you know, sexual de- uh, attraction or desire. Like, there's some... Um, people who may not experience sexual attraction, but they can experience, you know, other forms of attraction, like romantic attraction or emotional attachments. Um, mm-hmm. They might, like, love to hold hands, cuddle, and, like, kiss, but they don't want to do anything else besides that. How- however, there's some who consider themselves asexual who they just want to fuck. That's it. They don't want any romantical, um, you know, attraction. They don't want any of that. Um, form of experience or emotional attraction um they're they're um they only want you know physical attraction mm-hmm. okay. so um those so you know it's a, it's a broad range mm. okay so what you were referring to before would that fall because i was listening would that fall under uh demisexuality um where you have to feel where you can't where you can't feel a sexual attraction until there is a connection. Um, yes. Yeah, so demisexual is another form. Um, it's different than asexual. So demisexual is a or- sexual orientation is when um, somebody um, only feels sexual attraction to a person when they have an emotional bond. So, um, for example, like. Um, um, but it is actually under the asexual uh, spectrum, so okay. um, just just to know. Um, but um, it could be they um, need a conversation. They need you to engage in things that they like to show that you 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 see them and you want to engage in things with them. Um, you have knowledge, you know, about um, uh, different topics. Um, sometimes you, you demonstrate some demisexuality when you say, like, you like when um, a woman can engage your mind and, like, uh, teach mm-hmm. you things and that you yeah. find that really sexual. Or uh, when they engage in your business and they have knowledge and they take the time, you know, to learn about the business and engage in conversation about your podcast. That, yeah. That's a form of demisexuality. Mm, okay. Look, look at you teaching me. I love this. This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about sexuality and and identifying as queer. Um are there any misconceptions um as far as sex in the queer community? I know me being a lesbian, people just automatically just as soon as I tell them a lesbian, they see sex, sex, sex. Like, that's all we do. Um, but is there, like, sexually, are you a sexually liberated person? Like, I'm a sexually liberated person within boundary. But would you 
say that you're sexually liberated? I'm very sexually liberated. It comes from how I grew up and everything and, like, the friends I'm around. So, like, I believe, you know, people should enjoy how they want to enjoy. As long as they do it safe and we need more conversations around, you know, safe sex, uh, testing needs to become more of a norm and not seen as taboo. Um, But as long as, you know, you're being safe about your body and, like, the energy you wish to engage with, um, and making sure you take care of yourself in a holistic frame of mind, go at it. Fuck as many people as you want. You know, ignore anybody who um, tries to to denounce you or um, look down at you because you have high numbers of sexual encounters with people mm-hmm. or yeah. even, like, the whole concept of virginity because that is a social construct created by men um, and it's ridiculous um, and it doesn't <laughs> exist. Um, Mm -hmm. So I I tell people to be who they are. Um, I support sexual workers because that is a form of work. It's also an art form, and they can be who they want to be. Listen, I agree. That is a Rhea-approved message. You did (laughs) mention mention something. I I have to dig into that. Solo Kitchen Table Polly, please. I remember you we spoke about it a little bit in the messages and I had to bring it up during this interview please explain to the listeners what what is that what does that mean okay so first uh it's a form of polyamory and then I think we should go into like what polyamory is it's you know a (laughs) non-possessive honest responsible and ethical philosophy and practice of loving multiple people simultaneously um, key word, it's an ethical philosophy and practice of loving. Um, a lot of people, when they hear polyamory um, and they, they, they hear about poly, uh, po- uh, polyamorous relationships, you know, they immediately think of um, sex, 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 sex. Sex, yeah. You, you just want to fuck a lot of people, but that yep. but it's more than that. It's an open, intimate, romantic relationship. Um, and, it, and it's just like a lot of different things. It can be fluid and it characterized differently based on like how people wish to define it and disclose um theirs um so going into solo polyamory so solo polyamorous uh relationships um which um they basically do are people who don't merge their identity or life and structure with their partners um so uh, you know, they don't wish to share a home or finances with any of their partners. Um, okay. For me, um, I am an introvert. I like my own space. Um, yeah. And so sharing a home is rough. And then sadly, when you tell people, okay, fine, if we want to share a place, then I need my own room, people get very offended and then they feel. So it's just easier to be like, all right, I got my place. You got your crib. We meet occasionally at different <laughs> at each other's place. Um yeah. <laughs> Hello? I'm still here. Okay. Um, but that, no, that, sounds, <laughs> that would be, no. yeah. So I feel like that, I feel like that sounds like a dream. Like, I, I'm the same way. Like, I like my space. So, now let me ask you a question. In a poly, I want to make sure I'm saying it correct, polyamorous mm-hmm. relationship, is there room for jealousy? Yes, there How is. How does that work? How does that work? <laughs> so, you know, jealousy is a feeling where, like, your anxiety comes to play and you you are worried that, you know, the person is going to 
um, do something with the other person um, and they're not going to do with you. So um, you can be jealous in a polyamory relationship because you establish like, you know, certain, um, you know, boundaries and um, how you view relationships, what you want your relationship to be structured as. Do you want it to be exclusive, non-exclusive, like, um, you know, um, do you want to um, have information about how dates went? Um, you know, the, do you want to be well informed or just semi informed? Um, and it, it, all of that communication, you know, can come into where um, one of your um, polyamorous relationships with a partner can cause jealousy between two people because, you know, maybe you're spending, you were supposed to spend like Monday, Wednesday. Um, with one partner and then Tuesdays and Thursdays with the other but lately you've been giving more time to your other partner than the other so that can cause jealousy and insecurities because why are you not spending time with me is there something wrong do you need to have a conversation so yeah it can definitely happen so you have to have great communication to be in a poly relationship would you agree great communication and great planning skills because trying to balance multiple partners like Right, you you dating multiple people, having multiple sexual experiences, you know, and if you work, people. That's true. I just say what you're saying. And you trying to please them, and you know, remember things, and like for me, I'm terrible with like names, birthdays, and all that stuff. What you got to get all that. (laughs) Not consistent. Mm hmm. Now, I, I hope I'm not prying or being too nosy, but have you ever engaged in polyamorous sex? What do you mean? Sex with multiple partners. Would that be considered a threesome or would it be just considered the relationship? Like, um, no, that would be threesome. That's that's not that's not linked with polyamorous. That's that's the stereotype right there. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I no I did that stereotype because I asked the question. If you're asking the question, I know I was just letting you know that that people think that, but that's a stereotype. I wasn't saying you were given a stereotype. Okay, uh, but, what if, but what if what if the relationship is based like that? That's not a threesome relationship because I've seen this before. If there is so that more, would be a triad. What you're thinking about, but okay. that triad relationship that's where three people are dating each other, but that doesn't indicate that all three of them are having like sex with each other. So like. For example, you could have a triad double relationship and you could have where you could have A, B, and C together, right? And A and B are having sex together and B and C are having sex together and then A and C are having sex together, you know, but B and A are not. Mm. Okay. Okay. Now, people, <laughs> uh, no, people ask me and I've had... Because, you know, some of my cousins are a little ghetto and ignorant. But they'll say, if a man is engaged in a polyamorous relationship with a woman and another man, that he has to be homosexual. And I disagree. Um, Yes. Yes. I disagree. And I tell them that is not true. And um, I have a lot of my male friends who feel like there's no way. Like, he has to be gay. What is what is some insight you could say on that? Well, that actually is tied into misogyny and the cons. 
um, that's definitely tied in the misogyny and homophobic uh, views because um, why is it, you know, a guy can see a polyamorous relationship where it's a guy and two women and not think any homophobic concepts about the exactly. two women and they might be exactly. fucking. But if it's two men and one woman, ooh. But, I mean, that goes into, you know, that whole conversation that I was telling you about, like, compulsory, you know, compulsory monogamy and how, you know, monogamy was created and evolved, you know, by men to um, basically restrict the sexuality of women. Okay. <laughs> so, um, I am not shocked they have these thoughts. And, like, I mean, it stems all the way to Greece and Rome um <laughs> with this yeah. institutionalized form of view um but um sexual you know attraction and orientation is, is an individual person's um decision and you can't see a relationship and immediately know what's going on in the bedroom you know and, and also like why is that your business like if if the dude if the two dudes were fucking and they were always, and they were having sex with the girl. You know, that's their business. I you know, agree. I like agree. Salt and Pepper said, <laughs> "It's none no, of your business." I agree. But <laughs> there, there's no, but there, there's, there's no indication that you know automatically that's that's the default. Like, um, that they could be solo polyamorous folks, and like all three of them live in different places, and she spends you know, splits up her week and spends time with each of them and has sexual experience and a discussion and a whole, um, you know, un- relationship understanding and um, boundaries established between the three of them. And that, that would be a throuple. Mm, okay. So, so that wouldn't be considered a polyamorous relationship. That would be considered well, a Well, no, throuple is type of polyamorous relationship. Okay, got it. It mm-hmm. just falls under. Okay. Yeah. Got it. You're really teaching me. I feel like I'm in school again. Um, <laughs> oh, so I did do a post a couple of weeks ago, and you you commented on it, and I definitely wanted to touch on it during this interview. Um, I did a post, I think it was something to the effect of um, my daughter identifying as biracial, and you said you had opposing views on mixed children something to that effect um i wanted to touch on it because you said your opposing views come from personal experience yes so i am a mix i am black uh white and latinx um my mom is white um and my sperm donor is what i call that person is a uh, black and latinx and growing up being mixed i grew up heavily with my mom um i didn't get and my mom's white so it was between you know uh i would say about like 10 11 years of my life living with white folks and then the so other half your, of my life but your whole family was caucasian on that side that's how you uh up. yeah on my on my mom's side of who i grew up okay. because i didn't know the sperm donors family or anything so i didn't grow up with that connection um, okay. And it wasn't until um, I was about, like, 12, 13 that I got um, connections with, like, the Black um, side um, and Latinx side. And that was, like, through this, where we were living, the people I associated with. And then when I was in foster care, I grew up with a Black family. 
Um, okay. And so then I started learning those things. So, like, the first, like, 10, 10 you know, 11 years of my life, right, I didn't know what twerking was. I didn't know how to tootsie mm-hmm. roll. I didn't know what? how to electric slide. I never knew what a cookout was. What? <laughs> what a cookout? <laughs> You know, I grew up with a white Baptist grandma who who loved Elvis Presley, and um, I listened to a lot of church music, you know, I, I was restricted on what I could watch, listen to, you know, she didn't even know how to take care of my hair, so my hair was a mess, it was, it was terrible. So, <laughs> I have a question, did you, because growing up, that's all you know, at that mm-hmm. time, that's all you know, so did you feel out of place? Like, so out of place. Really? Even though that yeah, was all you knew? Because you you can tell you're different. Because, you know, your yeah. skin tone's different. You you get darker than folks in the sun. You know, your hair is a fro. Mm-hmm. Theirs is, like, sleek and shiny when it falls out, you know? Um, you have curves and are very curvaceous. And you get that fetishization, you know, that many black women get. Um, um, and, um, you know, you look, you look different. You, you look out of place. You look like you have something in you. You, you don't look white and, and like, you you can't put your finger on it and why you don't fit in, you know, and why you're not part of it. Hmm? Have you ever uh, faced any discrimination? Oh, yes. 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 Yeah, so, like, the first, like, nine, ten years of my life, I was living in Michigan with my grandma, and, like, we were in a town where it was very white, and I, I, I faced discrimination, I faced, um, I faced, uh, you know, repercussions because, like, you know, the stereotypes, like, um, I didn't have a father figure in my life, it was just my mom, who was a single parent, um, my mom uh, would face uh, discrimination. She'd be called a monkey lover and other racialized terms because mm. of us. Mm. Yeah. Um, I would think I was like four or five when I was first called that N-word uh, by people in school. And then when I asked my grandma, my grandma didn't explain it very well. And I could just tell, though, it was a bad term by how she was acting. But she didn't, like, console me or help me or, you know, make me feel like, I wasn't that word, like, I wasn't less than that, I wasn't, like, a negative view, and then, like, um, you know, when, when you're, you're talking with people and everything, like, you know, the darker your tone, like, you know, like, the more negative connotations you see, and you, you see people, like, um, being harmed, or, like, um, looked down at because of their skin tone, and so, um, being mixed, you're between, like, multiple worlds, like, so um, I've, I've experienced prejudice from black folks, too, because I have a white mom and, like, I've been told I can't identify as black because I don't um, have two black parents and um, I'm not black. But then you're told by the Latinx folks, you know, you don't speak Spanish, you don't, you, you didn't grow up, you know, in, in the different countries or your family is not from the different countries. Um, so then you're not that, you're not enough. You're never enough for one category. But you know you're not white. The white folks will never claim you. Unless, like, mm-hmm. you know, they want to try to dabble in the black and Latinx, then, then you're, you're, you're close to whiteness enough for them to want to date. But um, you, you're, you're not white. You're never white. So can I ask you, as far as race, what do you identify as? 
black and Latinx. I'd never identify or tell people I'm white unless they see my mom. And then I'm like, yeah, I got white in me. <laughs> but why? I'm curious. I don't feel connected to that identity. There's, um, you know, there's there's no culture there. And, and really it's, you know, an identity created by white folks to get to establish their power and prejudice. And I have no power. Um, I might have some prejudice, but I have no power. Um, mm. So I don't, I don't identify with it. I, I don't feel anything with it. Like I, I, well, I love my mom and, you know, um, I, I, my mom has never made me feel less than or, um, uh, you know, worse or whatever, or not enough. Um, just my, my, my relationship with whiteness and my experience being, you know, um, uh, mixed, I, I've just never felt I belong there or like I, they can understand me. And so, wow. yeah. That's deep. I have a deep question. Well, I don't know if you'll think it's deep, but I will. <laughs> I think it's deep. <laughs> <laughs> Identifying as gender fluid, do you mm-hmm. have, do you have a preference when it comes to race and what you will date. Do you have a preference in race? Of who I'll date? Yes. Yes. Um, I've dated white folks, will not do it again. F that, did that middle wow. school. Wow, Jim, I can't <laughs> believe you just said that. <laughs> you know, anybody who's out there who is white, it's not, it's not any offense to you. It's just, you know, there's things that I will talk about or do that you know, will be exhausting and really I don't want to get in a relationship where I got to educate folks already more Mm. than I need to. So (laughs) what if it was someone that you felt was woke or enlightened or I I, came with the education? I don't care how woke or enlightened people think they are in my experience in education. um, You know, at the end of the day, you're always going to have more power than I will. And you're always going to have that prejudice. And unless you're willing to give up, you know, your power that you get from whiteness, you're never going to be woke. Wow. And there's very few white folks that will actually give up that power completely and act actively every single day. Now, I've there's... met a couple who do, but they're very rare. You know, they're like a white elephant. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Um, but I, I just, for my own mental health, wellness, and constantly working in education in historically white institutions where I'm constantly fighting white people, I do not want to come home to it. I just because then then I'm going to have to educate you and if I, if, if you know, I don't have to educate you, then it's your family I got to deal with. And I'm not I'm not with it. Not with okay. it. <laughs> okay. Very well put. Um, definitely. Listen, this is a, a really, really great conversation. I feel like I have these reckless, raw, crazy conversations, but every now and again, I love to have conversations where that are informative and that I really feel like people can learn and get education. And I feel like in this conversation, you taught me so much, like I knew you were going to. Um, <laughs> even though you said that wasn't your intention and you don't want to be inspiring, you didn't want to take my roses when I gave them to you the last time. But... <laughs> <laughs> but I really, really mean what I say. Like I really go off of energy, and I I've always felt an energy from you. Even when you saw me in Sweet Heat, um, in Miami, it was just like. <laughs> 
that was a moment. Like, I love that. Yes, but. that was. So you was lit because it took a while for you to register somebody calling yeah. your name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, that was an experience. But anyway, <laughs> that was an experience. But no, I really want to tell you, I really appreciate this conversation. If there's anything you want to leave them with, I'm going to give you the floor for a second. Go ahead. Um, I would just say, you know, educate yourself. Like, you know, language is always changing. How people identify is always changing. So, like, educate yourself on what's going on in the world, you know, within the community. And then also, like, make sure you're asking people, like, what their pronouns are. You're actively asking people how they, you know, identify as an individual and not just assuming or working within the binary constructs. And explore your sexuality, you know? Screw monogamy, but if you're into monogamy, yes. cool, but don't be constructed into a specific yes. box of even in monogamous relationships. Explore your sexuality. Live life. You know, you got this reckless Ray here, so be reckless Hello. even in your monogamous relationships. Hello. You can still have fun. <laughs> oh, every day. Every single day. Listen, I tell people all the time, even if I'm in a relationship, you best believe I'm still doing all that crazy shit I be talking about because... I'm I'm just a sexually liberated person. Like I I promote sex, but I promote safe sex. Heavy on the safe sex. Facts. Yes, facts. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is Wreck It Rhea. This is my good friend Jinx. I wanna thank you so much for this interview. Um, I definitely feel like people are going to learn something from you, from me. Um, I cannot wait to feel your energy again in the physical. Are you coming as we eat this year? You already know. I told you I would. I promise. You you did probably. Yes, I did when you asked me. <laughs> You know I'll be smoking. All right. <laughs> All right. So we're going to end it there. But this time we have to party because we didn't get to party with each other the last time. No, we didn't. <laughs> so we have to make sure we party because I feel like that's going to be epic. Definitely. I got the all-access pass, so I'll be I'll be doing, you know, my funness again. <laughs> Listen, I'll see you in Miami, and this is how we're going to end it. Good night. We are out of here. Thank you.